Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, can you think of the times that you've said those words? Some of you are maybe familiar with those words as you've adopted them into a, a prayer that you say before you eat lunch or, or dinner, uh, where you maybe say, there, sometimes people even call it the common table prayer. I don't know how common it is. Uh, but come, Lord Jesus, be our guests and let these gifts to us be blessed. Or maybe you say, come, Lord Jesus, when you see something happening in society that just makes you shake your head and you can't believe it's come to this and you're just like, ah, oh, come, Lord Jesus, right? Let's just wipe this all off. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe you say it or you've heard an aged uh, person say it as they are just longing for heaven and their prayer every night is, uh, come, come, Lord Jesus. Uh, Come, Lord Jesus has been serving or will serve as our theme uh, for the month of December on Sundays, or at least four, four Sundays uh, that were last week and then three more. And I understand uh, why we would pray, Come, Lord Jesus, as we did last week. Come, Lord Jesus, as King. I want Jesus to rule in my heart. I want Jesus to show that he's in control of all things of this world. And I think we all do. In fact, that's basically what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer, when we say, your kingdom come, you're asking God to show that he reigns, that he comes as king. I also understand why we would say, come Lord Jesus, what we're going to talk about the next two weeks. Come Lord Jesus as Messiah. Come as that one that was long promised who would come to rescue us from our sins on the cross. I want that Jesus to come to take away all of my sins. I also think about in a couple weeks when we look at come Lord Jesus as Emmanuel, when we think about Jesus uh, coming to the the world and and being placed in a manger, he was God with us is what Emmanuel means. And we still say today, God, I still want you to be with me. Still be my Emmanuel. So come Lord Jesus as Emmanuel. Those all make sense to me. What makes me cringe though, or maybe doesn't make sense to me is what we're looking at today. Come, Lord Jesus, as judge. Really? Do I want Jesus to come as judge? That I have to stand before him? And yet, I'm here to tell you today, yes, that is what you want. It is absolutely what we want to pray today. Come, Lord Jesus, as judge. Why? Why do we want him to do it? When you think about it, it's really the end game, isn't it? Later on, right after the sermon, we're going to confess our faith. And when we talk about Jesus, we say, Hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. That's what we're going to celebrate in a couple weeks. But how does that second part of of the Apostles' Creed end? And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Why do we want that? Maybe before we can answer why we want that, we have to come to grips with my, maybe why we don't want that. You know, when I hear some of the pictures uh, that the Bible talks about with Jesus as judge, it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know if you caught it, but in that, that gospel lesson from Matthew that started off our service today, here's John the Baptist, Jesus prepare. He's preaching to the people and says, guess what? He's coming with a winnowing fork in his hand, which maybe we don't understand what that is, but it's an agricultural tool that would have separated the the, the chaff from the the grain. And then he says, and he's going to throw all the bad stuff into the unquenchable fire. Is that who I want? 
I mean, that, that kind of makes me sweat a little bit. Or he has another picture. It says, oh yeah, Jesus is coming. He's got an axe in his hand, ready to cut you down. Again, I'm not so sure if, if I want to, to stand before him. That makes my knees wobble a little bit. I mean, if you walk into a courtroom and you see that the judge has, has this uh, for, his, or for the gavel sitting on the bench, I'd say, uh, can I get a new trial? Can I ask for a different judge? If he's carrying an axe in his hand, or, or even, even the way that Isaiah said it here just a little while ago, when he describes this coming Lord who's a judge, he says, he says, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Again, if that's my judge, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying, hey, can I approach the bench? Unless it's bring altoids for that breath, right? That's going to slay the wicked. All these things maybe give us this picture of Jesus, which is is rather scary. I don't know if I want to pray so loudly, come Lord Jesus as judge. And yet, I will tell you, it is exactly what we want to pray when we realize just what kind of a judge Jesus is. Uh, that the Bible tells us uh, this. It says, this kind of a judge, Jesus, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Now again, maybe that makes it sound like he's not a real good, good judge. Right? It almost makes it sound like he doesn't take into account the evidence. I mean, He's not going to look at what he sees with his eyes or, or pay attention to what he hears with his ears. But, but you, you look at this a little bit more closely, and what is it saying? He's not going to be fooled. He's not going to be fooled by the facade. He's not going to be duped by the flattery. He doesn't just look at things as they are, appear to be on the outside. He doesn't just pay attention to nice-sounding words, but he goes deeper than that. And again, that, that, at first, that kind of makes me scared. Because I can fake, fake my way through a lot of people. You probably can too. You know, you might be having a Christmas gathering with grandma someday and, or in a couple of weeks, and you can do a great job of faking her out that she thinks, oh, you are just the most innocent little thing in the world, and she never knows what you do when you're not with her, right? Or, or you, can, you can maybe, you know, really flatter your way with a boss at the company Christmas party, and you can tell him, oh, you are the best boss in the world, and, and, he, and sure enough, and he gives you your bonus, even though you blast him behind the scenes for the other 364 days of the year. You hear Jesus saying, he doesn't, he doesn't get caught up in that. He doesn't get caught up by the facade. He doesn't judge this. He judges this. He sees the heart. And the way or the reason he's able to do that is because he is this, this judge who can, who can pierce through the outward appearances. Uh, Isaiah goes on to say here, because he has the spirit of the Lord on him. And then he goes on to explain with a bunch of couplets, three couplets, of what does it mean that Jesus has the spirit of the Lord on him. He first of all says he has the spirit of, under, of wisdom and understanding. 
You know, when you think of what wisdom is or what a judge is, a judge is supposed to apply the law, right? Other people make the law and a judge carries it out or applies the law. Um, when you think of, of Jesus uh, being a wise judge, I mean, isn't that something that we want? We want someone who can take the law and apply it perfectly in every circumstances, every circumstance. And that's difficult. We realize how difficult that is if we're ever in a position where we have to apply law to someone else. I, I think it maybe it's just because I have adult children that I, I think it becomes harder and harder if you've ever parented adult children to do this. Maybe when they're little, it's a little bit easier. You can say, no, and they say, why? And you say, because I said so, and it's done, right? Or go to your room or stand in the corner. But all of a sudden, when they, they grow up a little bit and you see adult children going down this path that you know is wrong, and, and you want to say something, but you also know they've they got to make their own decisions, and so you're wondering, well, what, how do I apply wisdom here? Do I say something? Or, but I also, don't want, I also don't want to do anything that would sever my relationship with them. And so you're, you're caught in this hard place. You don't know what's wise. How do I apply the law perfectly so that they understand it's coming from a, a position of love and care and concern? That's what Judge Jesus is. That, that he, he is so perfect as judge because he's got the spirit of wisdom on him. He always knows how to apply God's law perfectly to every situation including to our situations. And he has this perfect understanding, which means he can always decipher between what's right and what's wrong. There's no gray area when it comes to Jesus. It's always black or white. That's what makes him the perfect judge. And then, he, and then Isaiah goes on here. He says, not only does he have wisdom and understanding, he also has counsel, the spirit of counsel and of might. Now, maybe that leads you to think of other places where, where Isaiah uses these very terms. When he talks about this coming Savior, he says he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Or maybe you're singing that, that Handel's Messiah in your head right now. Uh, that, too, is a, a wonderful characteristic about Jesus as judge, that you can have all the wisdom and all the understanding in the world, but if you can't communicate it, what good does it do? But a counselor, a counselor is able to take that wisdom and able to take that, that understanding and uh, now not just apply it in his own mind, but apply it to you and to me. That he, he comes up with a plan, but then he communicates that plan. And, and, and this is what sets Jesus apart from any human counselor. Not only can he communicate that plan where he doesn't speak in code, he doesn't speak in secret language, he communicates it so clearly through his word, but he's also able to execute his plan. It says here he, he comes with might, which means he's able, in, to, able to enable you to carry out the, the very thing that he says. And then he goes on. He says, he says, not only does he have wisdom and understanding, counsel, and mind, he goes on and say, and he has the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Uh, knowledge. Uh, while I said wisdom is the application of knowledge, 
let's not underestimate the value of just pure knowledge. This time of year, if you have someone on your Christmas list and you say, I just don't know what to buy them, right? That's frustrating, isn't it? And maybe you're struggling. You've got three weeks to figure it out, right? And because and you, you don't have knowledge of what they need or what they want. Or what's maybe even more frustrating than not having knowledge about that per- person is not even knowing them in the first place. Uh, sometimes that happens if you ever have like a big family Christmas party where you do name exchanges, and maybe this time you got your second cousin's daughter's fiance and you've never met the person, right? You're meeting them for the first time at Christmas and he's, now you have to pick something. You have no idea what you're going to buy that person. Jesus has the perfect knowledge on both ends of the spectrum. He knows, he knows his father. He knows everything that God has said about his law, what his demands are what he expects from his people. And he also knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your sins. He knows your needs. He knows your personalities. He knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He knows your worries. He knows it all. And so now here you are, asking Come, Lord Jesus, as that judge. And you're standing before him, knowing that he's got all wisdom, he's got all understanding, he's got all counsel, he's got all might, he's got all knowledge. And now he has to render his verdict on you. And as we stand there, maybe perhaps a little nervous, we think, you know what? If he knows everything, he's going to slam that gavel down or he's going to slam that axe down and say, Guilty. But he doesn't. Rather, he slams that gavel down and he says, not guilty. Or to use the words of Isaiah, he uses the word righteous. You are declared righteous. As he goes on here, he says, with righteousness, he will judge. How so? Because as the perfect judge who has all those characteristics, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and so forth, he sees the evidence. He sees the whole evidence. Not just what you have done, not just what God the Father demanded, but he sees what he's done. He's seen his righteousness. It's always with him, tied around him like a belt. He sees his faithfulness which is, you know, as it says here on the bottom there, like a sash around his waist. He, he sees his 33 years that he walked here on earth, and, and he sees how faithful he was to God's promises and to God's law, and he sees how, how caring he was and how caring he is and how faithful he is to all the promises that he has ever made to any one of us. And he looks at all of that evidence, and he says, yep, you're righteous. You're perfect in God's eyes. No matter what you've done in the past, because of Jesus, because of his righteousness, you are righteous. And what's the result of that? The result of that is that Jesus really becomes the best justice of the peace there ever was. 
And I know justice of the peace is in a real high position when it comes to the court of law, right? It's just people who deal with your traffic violations or maybe officiate over weddings. I'm not trying to minimize Jesus as judge here. His, his role as judge of heaven and earth is more supreme than the Supreme Court. But just look at the, the peace that his justice brings. Isaiah goes on to spell this out. He says, The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. A cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. I mean, what's Isaiah doing here? Is he just an animal lover taking us on a tour of the zoo? No. He's, he's trying to show the complete peace that Judge Jesus brings. I mean, you look at some of these pictures here. The, the child, you can put a, a child can play near a cobra's den. I mean, if, if you did that as parents with Celeste, if you took her... If you took her car seat and said, oh, here, here's a nice snake pit. We'll just put her right there. Um, we'd have to report you to CPS, right? <laughs> Mandatory reporter. Uh, but Jesus' point here is that something as horrible as that is because of the peace that he brings wouldn't, he, wouldn't even cause a worry. Um, don't do that. But but that, he, he's using that as an illustration, right? Even that, we wouldn't have to be worried about. He's just showing that, that, that the righteousness that Jesus brings is like the, the restoration of paradise. That where, where we are in a perfect relationship with God, where we are in a perfect relationship with each other. In fact, it's so perfect that even all the animals get along. The wolf and the lamb, they can lie down together. And when you think of that complete peace that Jesus brings, that is so important for us to, to think about today. I think especially in this time of year. I know, we know, the angel saying peace on earth. Isaiah talks about peace that is like paradise. And yet, we go about our daily lives in December and we don't always see it, do we? I, I witnessed some great road rage on the road, on, on the highway the other day as two cars were jogging. One cut one off and then the other one cut his them off and slammed on the brakes. And the whole way home, I'm just like, please let me get home safe, you know, because I, I wanted to avoid that at all costs. But it's not just rage on the roads that we see, it's rage in our homes that we see as stress levels go up this time of year as we're figuring out decorations and gifts and cooking and calendars and stretched budgets and, and all that stuff. And yet Jesus says today, if he can bring peace between the wolf and the lamb, he can bring peace to your homes. If Jesus can bring peace between the wolf and the lamb, he can bring peace to people in your lives that you think you would never have peace with. No matter who they are. If Jesus can bring peace between the wolf and the lamb, even if you think you're your own worst enemy, 
He can bring peace there too. Because he says, today, today you are righteous. And so whatever you're struggling with today, whatever unpeace, I know that's not a word, but whatever unpeace you're experiencing, just know the totality of the peace that Jesus brings. That you don't have to worry or, or feel anxious about standing in front of Jesus as a judge someday. Rather, because of Jesus, you can find rest. You can find rest in the one on whom the Spirit of the Lord rests. And as, as you find rest in him, what does is, what is I say? Say, I say, his resting place will be glorious. And so, brothers and sisters, just simply pray. Pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, a judge. And may he bless you with his righteousness and bring you peace. Amen. And the peace of